Hello, hello, everyone. We're coming to you on a football Friday. Uh, we're going to tackle some Eagles, Phillies, making the playoff push. Ben Simmons, uh, still a sixer, but for how long? Um, so we're, we've got plenty of things to tackle here on the uh, subject of Philadelphia sports and, and all things related. I'm Dominic here always uh, with Kale. How's it going, sir? Well, good, good. I mean, how, how good could it be? You know, Phillies are only two games back, heading into final season or final week of the season here. Um, you know, it's as good as you could have hoped for, probably, with this team. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> still some big, some some uh, big games to come. Some wins they got to get, especially in the division. But um, I don't know if I would say that they control their own destiny, but they are certainly. Uh, they're certainly in a, in a prime position to to help themselves and, and not necessarily depend on a lot of help if they just you know take care of their own business. Um, so yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, but we I do want to start with a little football. We are two weeks into the season. Uh, I want to backtrack a little bit. The Eagles uh, surprised some, but not all. But they did come out and get a get a win on the first week of the season against the Falcons. Uh, Sirianni's uh, first win in the NFL. New head coach uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, is in there had a decent game, uh, thirty-three to six in that game. I did the defense give up a touchdown? I did two field goals. I think it was just two field goals. Uh, Atlanta had in there, um, so decent start to the season. Um, they had bounced out with a with an L the following week. But uh, if I just want to stay on the first game for for a second, did uh, were you surprised by them uh, kicking off the season with a W against uh, the Falcons there? Yeah, I mean, coming as the season became closer, you know, I thought Atlanta was a little bit more of a winnable game, but I think it was more in the fashion that they came out and, and the good flow that it looked like they had on offense, a lot of motion, just a lot of a lot of stuff you want to see from from our young players. You know, Devontae Smith with a with a touchdown on his first catch. You see Jalen Rager actually looking pretty fast there on uh, on on opening Sunday, and then you also had uh, Quez Watkins, you know, making some plays as well. So it's. Uh, everything you, you really wanted to see. And then uh, week two was kind of the things you didn't want to see. You kind of showed what can happen when the offense can be slowed down and, and what happens when you really rely on that defense, which to be honest, did a pretty good job holding San Francisco to 17 points. You know, that was, that was a winnable game as well. If they could have, you know, finished some of those drives with points. Um, so I think it, you know, the first two weeks of the season to me could kind of be a microcosm of the season in general, because, you know, this is a young team trying to prove itself and, uh, it's going to kind of show us, you know, there, there's going to be some ups and downs probably in this season. And there's going to be some times that offense probably looks awesome. And there's going to probably be some times where it kind of looks like it did on, on the past Sunday. Uh, yeah, um, I would I would agree. You know, we we really saw two different um, what it seemed like two different Eagles team uh, in week one and week two. Um, I would say even week two, the first half, they look fairly decent. Uh, they just couldn't kind of finish uh, some drives. Um they got they got stopped uh, in the red zone down the goal line. Kind of shot themselves in the foot there. Uh, kind of Jekyll and Hyde thing with uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, the first game, I think he had like three touchdowns against Atlanta. Uh, he was like I think he had over 200 yards passing. He did some things with his legs, and I think in the in the 49ers game, I think he had 12 or 13 total complete passes um, out of like 28 to 30 or something like that. So. Um, you know, you, you, we're still trying to, we're still kind of seeing him go through his process of, of getting better and learning as a new offense for him. Um, this is really what only so far six, six NFL starts he's had. So, um, he's still going through that growing process and he's doing it with a new head coach who's also, you know, a new head coach and, uh, first time calling plays and all that. So they're, they're both kind of learning on the job here. So you're going to have to, 
you're gonna get some yin and yang. You're gonna you're gonna see some ups and downs. But I would say early on, you know, even though they got the one week one, even though they lost week two, I would say I I seen more encouraging signs than I have seen um, things that would, that would you know make me be concerned about the team. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, like I you know like week one showed you know that's kind of show what the offense can be when it flows and everything like that. And I think both the first two weeks the defense has shown you know this, this could be a pretty strong unit and this can be you know a defense that's going to be able to keep them in some games. Yeah, I've liked what the defense uh, showed so far. Um, I would like to see a little bit more turnovers for that unit, but just as far as getting off the field and, and forcing punts and all that, I, I feel like they've, uh, they've done a decent job of that so far under new defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. Um, so yeah, one and one early on in the season. Um, and then right away, here we go in week three, you get a, a division uh, opponent division game on the road, Monday night, primetime football against, you know, America's favorite team, quote unquote, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, of course, no love for the Cowboys. I hate them. Not my. I for me personally, the Giants are still uh, my number one NFC East hated rival. Um, I th- I feel like the Co- the Cowboys have kind of come up more in recent years, but I feel like for the most part of my fandom, it's you know the the cow uh, the Giants have been more successful. So I think I've been hating them a little bit more. Um, but anyway, with the with the Cowboys though coming in, you got a you got a defense you know who is a, I would say they're a little bit improved from last year, but they're still not good. Um, so you can definitely move the ball on them. And then I think you got an offense that's, that can really hum in the passing game and the running game uh, as long as Dak Prescott is back there uh, as quarterback. They got a lot of weapons, one-two punch around the ball. Got Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, uh, Michael Gallup, who I think is hurt right now. Um, but they got weapons, and so it's going to be a, a tall order for um, you know for this defense who that's shown some promise in the first two games that's going to be a a tall order for them but i think this will be a competitive game i don't i don't see like a blowout going either way i see it's either it's either competitive or or dallas it runs it up on them that's kind of it's kind of where i feel but um to me you know it's really i think for this game it's going to be can the eagles offense you know keep up with dallas because you know our defense might be able to slow them down on a couple drives but they're going to get theirs they're going to score i'm pretty sure through the air they're going to have a pretty nice day they just they just have a ton of weapons through the air um on defense like you mentioned yeah that they're they're real hurt with injuries uh the defensive line is just decimated you know demarcus lawrence out with the foot uh there's a couple other guys injured as well and then i think i saw keanu neal um was out on the COVID list as well or whatever so that's a little hurt to their secondary there so um, I think, you know, this should be a game that the offense should be able to, to compete in. So it's really, you know, can the defense uh, slow them down and can the offense kind of keep up with what Dallas is going to be able to do that same firepower on the other side? Um, I'm glad you mentioned injuries because we, we do have to mention those. The Eagles are going through uh, a few injuries of their own. Um, they lost Brandon Graham uh, for the season with a torn Achilles in that 49ers loss. Um, so, and they also lost a, uh, starting offensive lineman and Brandon Brooks, I think it was a pec injury, um, out for a few weeks, I, th- I think, uh, three weeks, I believe. three weeks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so not season ending, but, um, yeah, he'll be out for, he'll miss a couple games and this is the third year in a row with him getting hurt. So I'm just about, I'm just about over him. Hopefully one of these kids can step up and, and, and kind of play. So you got two significant injuries, I would say on both sides of the offensive line there. And then just today we're learning about, um, Jordan Mailata, starting left tackle, uh, sprained MCL in practice. Um, 
doesn't seem significant. Like he didn't didn't seem like he tore anything. They said it's sprained. Um, definitely not going to miss the season. Doesn't seem like at this point, but um, definitely in danger of playing this uh, this Monday night game against the Cowboys. I don't think they've uh, officially ruled them out, but if they did, um, you know that's two holes you have to plug there um, on this offensive line. And you're looking at Dillard going in for uh, Mylotta. Man, oh man, that's different um, compared to what we were rolling with last. Sunday against Nick Bosa, man, they didn't really help my lot too much. You know, they, they kind of left him out there one-on-one and that's not something you can do with, uh, with Andre Dillard, even, even up against a, a banged up uh, Cowboys defensive line. So you're already looking at Sam Malu trying to help him from left guard spot. Um, and then you're, you also probably playing Landon, uh, Landon Dickerson out there at right guard. So, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be definitely, definitely a different look. And then it's going to be something the offense is going to have to find their rhythm and come over on, on Monday night. Um, they they've done they've Eagles have dealt with uh you know a lot of offensive line injuries last season I think they had like thirteen or fourteen different line combinations and already here we are uh week two into three uh, more more injuries along the line um I think I would say coming into this game I have more faith in Dickerson stepping in for Brooks than I do of Dillard stepping in for my lot would you agree on that same and, and what does that tell you that you know Dickerson's a rookie and and how we feel about that over Dillard you know everything that we know about Dillard is he's, he's got bull rushed all camp so yeah it's uh it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for sure but uh you have your your future center and your center playing right next to each other uh right now yeah and enjoy my lot a guy who's really shown a lot of growth since being uh, being drafted uh play fairly really well last season actually and then into camp and come and starting this season he was looking really good and ends up uh getting paid um and then you know coming off that Niners game he was facing one of the top pass rushers in the league in Bosa and I would say he pretty much held his own uh, I know pro football focus claimed he didn't give up any sacks I definitely I feel like there's a one in there that kind of when the pocket kind of collapsed and Bosa got in there but but by and large, he 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 held his own for most of that game, and I and and like you mentioned, you know, one on one, and I don't. There's no way you can do that with with Dillard. Um, you're gonna have to help with tight ends, you know, guards helping out, running backs chipping out of the backfield. But I think you know that kind of also changes your offense a bit, where you where you have to pull a guy out of you know route combinations, and if they got to help in block, so that that can also start to limit your your offense a little bit more so that'll be something to keep in mind if uh you know my is officially ruled out and, and dillard has to has to play in there um but yeah i think and i also domino effect with uh you know how how uh jalen hurts feels in, in in protection if he feels comfortable um if he's getting pressure a lot and he's just one read and pulling it down and and, and running um hopefully he's able to hang in there and, and make more plays in the passing game um, because that's the kind of growth you want to see from. We all know what he can do with his legs, but we want to see him be able to read defenses, drop back in, and make plays uh, with his arms. Um, and and to that point, uh, him throwing the ball so far this season, he had a big play to Quez Watkins. Um, but I feel like in the in the Niners game, I don't know if he if he waited too long to throw the ball or if he just didn't have the arm strength. But there was a couple underthrown deep balls in that game. Are are those at all any concern for you? His his strength throwing downfield, not a ton because, like you said, he played he's played six games in the NFL. So you know, I want to see a little bit bigger sample. That might just been an off day sort of thing. Um, if it's more prolonged, like over you know this full season sort of thing, kind of like we we'd seen with Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz is only really great deep balls ever went to Deshaun Jackson. What that one game <laughs> to, in uh, the one against. Uh, 
Washington football team to Aguilar that one time and all his other deep balls kind of suck. So um, uh, to me, I give, I give Hertz a little bit more time um, and, and kind of see it could have just been, you know, one bad game, one, one hyped up start, you know, first start in Philadelphia like that um, for the home opener. Um, so I, I, uh, I'm not too concerned yet, but if it, if it shows itself over time, kind of like over the rest of the season, yeah, I probably will be. Uh, what's your assessment of uh, Nick Sirianni so far? I think he's done as a head coach for his first two games. I think the first game was about as good as you could hope for, and then the second game showed a lot of holes with your your first-year coach's offensive play calling. Uh, there was definitely those times at the goal line there where uh, they were down there and, and came away with only uh, – what was it? A field goal? Yeah, a field goal instead of a touchdown, or was it before half? I believe. No, I, I didn't think they got that right. They won. They they went, they went for it on fourth down. So they tried to yeah, do they, Philly yeah, special they went on fourth. They got stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They were in Philly special. That's what it was. I can't believe I blinked on that. Um, yeah, dumb number one. It was a really dumb play call at, at that time. Uh, just run that ball forward, man. You know, it, it's just stuff it in over the goal line, you know, and we're, we're, we're getting too fancy with it. And that was just kind of what it, what it showed down there. And that was what just one of the three drives where they should have came away with some points. And then they really did uh, about 17 points, I believe left on the board. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what do you expect? Some growing pains with the, with the rookie play caller, but I kind of think so far you kind of have to be pleased one in one. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, in regards to that, the goal line sequence, you know, I think one of the one of the, I think by and large the number one play on the goal line or down the red zone that I hate they should just throw away is the fade route to the to a wow. wide receiver, which they which Absolutely. yeah, which they did not run. But that's just one play I hate to see. Um, another play that I, th- I don't mind, but I think should be limited is is the play at, is kind of like the rollout to one side, and I think they did that twice down there. And for me, like when you do that you kind of cut the field in half, you know, you kind of really right. limit your options. And I rather, you know, uh, they were like inside the five yard line, maybe inside the three yard line, I think. And so I would have liked to see at least two shots of them just lining up, lining up and just power football and, and pounded ahead. And then, you know, then you kind of build in your, your, your play actions and your rollouts off of that. One was like a weird shuffle, a uh, weird uh, shovel pass that I guess, with like an option to run built into it, it kind of looked like a mess. Like no one knew what they were doing on that play, and then they boxed the the reprise of the Philly special. So yeah, I think down there just got a little they got a little too cute, try to do too much. And sometimes when you're just down there and and, and tight near the goal line, you just got to keep it simple, and you got to line up. You know, go behind your big strong offensive lineman, bring in your power package, and just and just push forward. Because I mean that that nine in front, they they got fast linebackers, sideline sideline. They can get up to quarterback with Bosa, but I don't think they're a big, strong bunch where they can, where you know they are really difficult to run on. You know what I mean? So um, I would have liked to see them go that route. But like we said, it's the second game you know, as a head coach, main play caller, and all that. And hopefully, something you know that he that Sirianni l- learns from and is able to do uh, to do better with um, going forward. But through two games, I, th- I think he's been fine. Uh, there hasn't been any major red flags where I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe they hired this guy, you know. So, uh, I think that that's somewhat of a one so far. Um, but yeah, coming up, Eagles Cowboys Monday night. That's always fun, division rival, and hopefully they can pull one out there. Uh, and you know these next few games don't get any easier. I believe the Chiefs after that, 
Um, the Panthers who are looking decent. I know McCaffrey's got the calf injury. We'll see what happens there or the hamstring, whatever it was. So we'll see what happens there. But Darnold's look decent for them. So uh, much better than Darnold with the Jets. And then you got the Bucks and then Raiders, I think, coming out there who have looked decent so far. I think early on, I think before the season, I kind of thought the Bucks was very winnable. And I think that's I'm not the Bucks. I thought the Raiders were very winnable. I think that's 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 closer to to an even matchup right now, I, I would think in my mind. So um it doesn't get any easier, so I think they got to take advantage of a team like the Cowboys, who who do have some flaws that that uh, you can uh, take advantage of. Yeah, this is about as wounded as you could have like a Cowboys team. So it's really, it could be an offensive show on on Monday night. It could really be a lot of back and forth, you know, high scoring sort of game. Um, it really just kind of all depends, you know, if our defense is able to slow them. This is going to be our first real big test for that secondary, for our new look secondary. So. Um, Dak's good, man. I don't know. I don't know. There's there's not really too much you can you can say about that. The offensive line still decent. Uh, Zeke, I think we both agree he, he hasn't really seen exactly what he used to be. Um, but you know, he still he can still put up 100 yards because he gets 20 touches a game. So um, it, it will be interesting. Tony Pollard now seems to be getting a lot more play uh, for them out of the, their backfield. So that's just kind of another weapon. Um, that you kind of have to look for. It almost kind of seems like Zeke is kind of like the pounder guy, and now Pollard's kind of the quick speed uh, change of pace back. Yeah, change of pace, catching more balls out of the backfield, it seems like. Um, so um, I think for them, if I'm them, I don't want to see them do, that, uh, do this with us, but if I'm the Cowboys, I definitely kind of – I'm more, very much more open to kind of splitting the snacks, the snacks between uh, Ellie and Pollard because um, – you know, you can take a little bit off Zeke and, and, and give him Tony's shot there. He's been producing so far. And he's, he's a guy who could definitely um, catch the ball out of the backfield and, and make something happen through the air. And then that Cowboys offense, man, it's really, you know, over the, the beginning years of, of Zeke's career, it was really, you know, they leaned on him. He was getting 300, yard, uh, 300 carries a year. And now it's kind of shifted to where. Dak's going to throw that ball over 500 times. You know, it's going to, it's going to be uh, quite the prolific air offense, especially if uh, those receivers can stay healthy. I think you mentioned uh, Gallup's hurt, but they still have, you know, CD lamb and, and uh, um, like Amari Cooper. Cooper. And yeah. And uh, they have, there's another third receiver that that's had a decent start for them as well. So um, it's, they they have a lot of weapons down there. This is, this is, could be the best Cowboys team that there has been in in several years, especially once that uh, defensive line gets healthy. Yes, yes. It's very exciting to have football back. Football season's here in September. The weather's changing. Everything feels good. Uh, another thing that's exciting, meaningful September baseball. The Phillies The Phillies are playing some meaningful games right now. You, I feel like last time this season, I was probably just about checked out on them. And, and, and now I, now I got to tune in. You get, what, two games out of the division right now? Um, they got a couple more games against the Pirates, and then it's a very important three-game series um, with the Braves right before they finish up the season against the Marlins. Oh man, it's um, it's going to be nerve-wracking. You know, some nervous energy going on. Um, I really hope they. Obviously, I hope they make the playoffs, but also you know make it make it competitive, make it go down to the wire, even if they don't make it. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm. <laughs> I, it's kind of the thing. Kind of, it's almost like cheating, but I'm kind of, you know, wishing for the. I'm kind of expecting the worst, but wishing for the best. It's kind of just kind of guarded heart mentality with with the sports teams right now, but because um, I don't have the utmost faith in them. But yeah, Phillies, man, here we are. Uh, what, how do you think they finish it out? They're gonna hurt us. You know, you know they're gonna hurt us. 
Uh, everyone knows that they're going to hurt us deep down. So it's not good to fight that and, and try to have any sort of optimism because we all know what's going to happen here. They're going to play decent this weekend against the Pirates. They could even sweep them. Um, they'll set themselves up for, you know, one game out or tie with Atlanta going into the series and they'll drop to a three, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do it. And then they'll go to Miami with a chance, you know, a game down, maybe two, you know, and they'll play it to either the second to last or final game of the season. And they'll, they'll, you know, they'll lose it to Miami or something like that. Uh, that's just the way they go. Um, looking last night, man. <laughs> they're lucky they were playing the pirates. Right. Nola just gets lit up, just lit up. And, and because of where this team's pitching is, this man gives up what six runs and he's still in the game. They, they, they have to keep him in the game and let him pitch six innings because just because of where they are. Now, of course, off there, you know, there was an offensive comeback that helps him, you know, stay in. But you know, if this is any other competitor, the Rays, you know, the Dodgers, or something like that, this man is gone after he gives up the home runs. You know what I mean? And it's not uh, the, the home run of Cabrian Hayes. He, he's he, he's pulled out. Um, He's definitely September Nola. I texted you after he got pulled last night. His ERA is almost five on the season, four point seven. Um, they just have no pitching, and Wheeler Wheeler is literally it at this point. Uh, the bullpen is literally patchwork every night. Um, if they make the postseason, honest to God, Girardi might deserve fucking manager of the year because he just played uh, patchwork the whole entire second half. It's really, it's just really a commentary where this pitching is. Uh, Harper, man, uh, I know that I came down hard on him probably the last few podcasts and stuff, but I mean, Jesus Christ, he's, he's on a roll that, I mean, this is what we paid for. This is what you pay $330 million for batting over 300. Uh, he's walking twice a night, uh, scoring a ton of runs. Um, I mean, even if they, don't make the playoffs. To me, he's probably the MVP. Oh uh, yeah, I would. I would not be a homer, but he definitely would be my vote for for MVP right now. And, um, hitting three twelve, thirty three home runs. Man, I feel like for a while he was in like in the high teens. He was low. Yeah, and then now he's shot up to thirty three. Like he's been crushing the ball. Eighty RBIs, um, ninety six runs. Uh, almost a 500 on base percentage, you know? So obviously the RBI is a little bit low for me, but I mean, he also, like you said, he almost scored a hundred runs. Like he's doing it himself too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He's, he's really, he's really turned it on the second half of the season. He's been tearing the cover off the ball, really, really putting the team on his back, quite frankly. Um, And so, yeah, that's the other thing that will suck if them, if they, if they miss the playoffs is, is you waste incredible baseball by Bryce Harper down the stretch and you waste, you know, a pretty decent year from 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 Zach Wheeler. I feel like he's been leaking oil a little bit as of late. I think he's probably like pitched the most innings he's ever pitched so, so far. Yep. And and in baseball. And baseball, yeah, and baseball yep. overall this season. So, but still, man, he's he's by far your, your number one guy out there, giving you giving you really good starts, uh, you know, as good as he can. So, the waste the the waste that. And, you know, I feel like Girardi's been a little bit better here with managing in the second half. I mean, like you said, with the patchwork, with the with the lineups. I mean, how many games you got, you know, Ronald Torres starting at shortstop or third base? And I didn't even know who this guy was before the season started. You got, uh, what's the guy playing first base now? Brad Ver- Miller? No, the other guy, Veerling. Yeah, Veerling. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, you got a who's who in some in some spots. You know, Didi's completely shot. Every now and then he can turn, turn on the ball and give you a home run, but... He's not much of a player anymore these days. It's because of the vaccine, apparently. But yeah, right. <laughs> um, so it's yeah that they it would it'd be it'd be really not only hurtful as a fan, but th- it'd be really shameful for them to kind of be gifted this opportunity with the Braves not really 
pulling away at all, keeping them, you know, right there. And then they have guys out here that are absolutely battling on this team for the Phillies not giving up and in, in, in to miss the playoffs. Incredible comeback the other night against the Pirates. Uh, you got three more against them. I think you got Gibson and uh, Ranger Suarez going, coming up. And then they got a bullpen game. And then it's that Braves series. So I don't love the bullpen game, but... I mean, they're really out of arms at this point. I mean, Matt Moore's on the DL now, so you can't even possibly introduce them back into the rotation. They're just kind of running out of guys right now. And so, um, you know. And they set themselves up, right, for, you know, you get Nola Wheeler and, and Gibson in, in the Brave series. You're giving it your best shot. Yeah, you got you got your three guys there. So, um, I don't know. I just – I get, it, it would pain it would be painfully more if they do, like, you know, kind of take – some from the Braves and then coming in against the Marlins and then crap the bed and, and, and give it right back. Um, I hope they don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course, if they, if they sweep the Braves at all, do you, is that, is that you think that's, that's it? Is, is, do you believe then? You need one against the Marlins then uh, to just finish it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, even do you sweep them, you go into Florida, or, you know, three games up. I'm not, I'm not, saying you know it's it's totally over because I, I you know we've seen crazier things you could totally lose three in a row and, and the Braves could sweep whoever they're playing so um yeah it's gonna be right down to the end we know how this goes yeah that's true uh I, I forget <laughs> what I was reading someone said flowed the idea of uh moving up that Sunday bullpen game that it's crazy that, that you can just schedule a bullpen game like that but uh I'm trying to think they're saying like move it up a day and then uh pitch Ranger the following day. I guess somehow he would be able to pitch uh, Ranger on the last game of the year. I think something like that. Yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of how it will work out. Um, it makes some sense, especially because you could consider if you're going down the last game of the season, all of a sudden you don't have a starter because you're it's bullpen game. Yeah, I think <laughs> so, I think how it worked out is you basically get two more starts out of Ranger instead of one, and you only have one bullpen game instead of two to finish out the season. So my guess is if it comes down to last game of the season, you're scheduled for bullpen game. It's going to be Ranger anyway. You know, he would be slated to start the next day. So you had short rest. You're going to have, you know, hopefully you're slated with some bullpen arms available. And then, I mean, Nola pitched two days before, but I would think you you, you have to consider, you know, last game of the season, possibly throwing his ass out there as well. Yeah, it's it's got to kind of be all hands on deck at that point. If you haven't made playoffs in 10 years, yeah. you know, if you're that close. Um, Something else uh, that – to factor in. I'm not sure how they're working into the schedule, but I believe there are two makeup games still floating out there for the Braves from like rain. I think, I don't know if it's two. It might, you might be right. It might be two, but I know at least one. And yeah, it was against Colorado. Um, basically the way that I understand major league baseball is playing it is if there's no real standings implications, they're not going to play the game. But if, you know, the Phillies go in, you know, tied with them to the last game of the season or whatever they finish tied Atlanta is going to get a chance to go play uh, the Rockies. And then, you know, the Rockies win Phillies will make the playoffs. So obviously if Atlanta would win, they would make the playoffs. That's so bizarre to me. Like, so it could be like tied at the end of the season. And then, so then that, that yeah. makeup game would then factor in. It would be like on a Monday, the, la- the very last game of the season would just be a random Rockies Braves game that really, you know, obviously the Rockies are ready to go home. <laughs> yeah, like they're not going to care about that. That's so weird to me. I feel like they should kind of fix that a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the Braves' schedule is like. I'm tr- trying to pull up quick right here to see if they have like a, a day off. They can squeeze that in or something. I don't think in the last week of the season. Today, tomorrow. What's tomorrow? Well, they have. It looks like they have Monday off before the before the Philly series. They play Sunday against the Padres, and then. And oh, then, they'll, they'll bitch to Major League Baseball. They're screwing them before the Philly series. Probably, yeah. It probably would. <laughs> Damn, that's kind of that's kind of sucky to me. That I'm gonna guess that they probably played like 21 in a row, and that's the the major league rule is you can't go past that without an off day or whatever. So that's probably that built in off day there. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't like the way that that shapes up. But hopefully it doesn't come to that, come down there. Hopefully they can the Phillies can just win outright and kind of you know put the kibosh on all that. But either way, man, it, it's exciting here on you know the last week of September to be having baseball to care about the kind of uh, to watch and, and be focused on and have some series of uh, playoff implications attached to them and you're not just going through the motions. One thing I will say is last year, you know, technically we did in the final week too, you know, we had some baseball to care about or whatever, but it definitely felt different. You knew, you knew that team wasn't winning shit. You knew, you knew that that team wasn't going to the playoffs even before they went down to Tampa. You know, they had three games to, that possibly, you know, you win one of those, you're, you're, you're probably making the playoffs or whatever and they just couldn't do it. And you, and you knew it before they went there. You know, I, to me, I remember thinking, I was like, hey, you know, win. I, I didn't even watch the series, the, the last three games of the season, because I knew. And it's exactly what happened. At least with this team, you have, like like you said, you know, your, your guarded heart and everything like that. But there's a chance. There, there There's a chance with them. Um, you know, Wheeler. Wheeler's been, you know, the, the, the ace all season. Um, he gives you a good shot against the Braves. Uh, I hate Nola against the Braves, man. <laughs> ever, I don't know if it's been ever since that opening day. I feel like every time um, he's going against the Braves, he's getting shelled. So, and obviously he's been September Nola to the fullest um, this year as well. So I don't feel too confident about that, but this is what you went out and got Gibson for then too, as well. So you think two out of those three games, you should have a real good shot. So um, just got to hope. Um, could you do me a favor and, and stop mentioning that uh, you know the whole September thing with Nola? He doesn't. He doesn't want to talk about that. He doesn't. Want I'm to- sure he doesn't. I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> I wouldn't want to either. My ERA like nine in, in in a month, and and like and I think you said this our, our last spot. It's clearly mental. Like at this point, it's just clearly mental. And and to me, he has to be tired. Like this has to be something every year where. I think maybe around mid-August or something, you got to kind of manage him. Maybe you're you're limited him to five innings, you know, eighty-five pitches for a few starts, sort of things, because this this is what seems to happen every year. A um, couple things with that. Um, one, I, um, I forgot the first one. But second one, I was going to mention. Um, I saw that. I guess uh, they had naps catch him the other day because I guess like. On the season, Naps ERA for when catching is like a, a whole run lower than than JT's, so they wanted to mix it up for Nola because JT's been primarily uh, catching him. Um, and then to that point, like I think, I think there may be a little bit to that, but also like I don't like putting the onus on the catcher to why a pitcher is struggling and and why his numbers are what they are. Cause I feel like if you're a pitcher, man, ultimately you're the one throwing the ball um, and you shouldn't be throwing a pitch that you don't want to throw. You know what I mean? Like if you think you should be throwing a fastball here and the catcher is constantly putting down, you know, curveball change up, you know, shake them off, have your discussions, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and I also think kind of the Phillies, I seem like sometimes they, uh, they rely. I feel like they're one of those teams that rely sometimes too much on, 
on the cards and, and, and the numbers and the game plan where, you know, sometimes the things, things aren't working. You know, you thought you can get some guys out with change-ups or what have you, and you keep trying that. By, like, you know, mid-game, if they're all over that pitch, you got to kind of mix it up and, and kind of go a little bit more baseball baseball in- instincts there. And I feel like some starts, especially with Noah, I feel like some starts, he feel like this is a start where he's got to use his curveball more. And, you know, and then that thing ends up getting jacked out of the field. And it's like, well, you, you've given a bunch of runs. Clearly, the curveball is not the route to go. Stop looking at the stupid card in your pocket trying to look at the numbers or the matchup. Just have some baseball instincts there, you know what I mean? So I feel the like, feel of the game, like, you know, feel this is what uh, this hitter seems to be doing. I just threw a fastball and he's real late on it. So throw another one, you know what I mean? Just right. things like that. And it just, it doesn't seem like it. And I agree with you, man. Like a uh, pitcher can shake a catcher off, you know, like the call, you know, shake him off. You, you want something else. Um, I, I, I know, I guess that they were trying to, it seemed like almost they were trying to copy some game plan that they used with Wheeler the other night where, First time through the order seemed like he he went a lot more fastball heavy, and then second time through the order is when he worked in the breaking ball a little bit more. Whatever, bro. You know, Nola, I don't think is that type of pitcher. You know what I mean? His fastball don't have the same sort of life and, and velocity that that Wheeler's has. So you're not gonna you know blow people away with it. I don't think that's a he can't dominate with just the fastball or whatever. He's a curveball pitcher, like you know what I mean? Like I'm working that in first inning. That's you know I'm coming out there, I'm establishing that curve, and then I'm gonna work the fastball in there, and then kind of work off those two, and then you you bring in your 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 changeup and your cut and all that other shit. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like that should almost be the game plan for Nola every time out. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm in line with you on that thinking there. Um, I did remember other, my other point. One of the frustrating things about Nola, not only in September, but all season, it feels like he gets hit and and pitcher counts too often. There's too many times I see him giving up 0-2 or 1-2 yeah. home runs. And, like, that's a pitcher's count. You shouldn't be throwing, you know things like you shouldn't be throwing over the heart of the player or something that a pitcher can or a hitter that that uh, can turn around and kind of crush your ball. I feel like so many home runs are in counts where it should be in the pitcher's favor. And I don't have the info right now to, to break that down, like why that's happening. But I feel like that's something that that deeply, deeply needs to get corrected when, when he's out there. Yeah, and you, and you saw it on last night. Uh, you sent me a tweet. It was, uh, you know, Real Muto set low and outside uh, or – or low and inside, I believe it was, for a pitch to Hayes, and it went high and outside, and he just crushed it out to right field for, for the home run. Um, just totally missing his spot, not even close. And like you said, 0-2 pitches, man, if that curveball ain't in the dirt, every 0-2, every 0-2 count he has, I, I really don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? That's his best pitch. You know, it should that's the, that, that should be the go-to every time. You know, I'm, I'm not throwing a fastball or, or anything, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, 0-2 last night to Hayes, we're going, we're going fastball and ends up going high and away. I really don't know. I really don't know what the deal is. Yeah. Um, so he that's something, you know, hopefully they can can work on him. I mean, wait, he's still, he's still, what, 27, 28 years old? Still still a guy, I won't say young, but he's not old either, kind of early, kind of mid there. So I think there's there's still a reason to have a lot of hope in, in Nola for him to kind of get it get it together. Um, I think he's better than the 500 pitcher. I think he's better than the pitcher he's been this season. Don't know if he's quite – the what was it 17 and 6 or wherever he went in 2018 when he was in Cy Young conversation I don't think we'll ever see him be quite that good but um I think he could be somewhat closer to that hopefully you know so um, hopefully they 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 get that uh figured out uh one other thing on the Phillies they gotta retire the BCIM or BCIB best catcher in baseball because I like JT he you know 
He gives you good at bats, good hitting catcher, and all that. But he is not the best catcher in baseball right now. You can't keep hey, putting you, it out there when it ain't true. Right. Well, you know, when you spend all that money and your and your social media is all that, you know, uh, that's all they're going to talk about. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. He's definitely not having that type of season. I think injuries have slowed him down. Uh, he hasn't had that power at the plate that we were hoping for that he showed in past years. Um, and like you said, Salvador Perez, man, he's crushing that ball, setting home run record for catchers. I mean, how can you say that, uh, you know, he's the best, you know, JT's the best catcher in baseball right now. Um, we can talk about it again next year at the, at the end of the year after he puts up some numbers. Maybe. I mean, and I mean, even a guy like uh, what's his name from the Giants, Posey. I mean, even he's having yeah. like a better season right now. Definitely, uh, I would say a bounce back season from. I don't think he was that great last year, but I think his numbers are better than JT. Uh, the guy from the Rays, where Zumino or something like that. I think his. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on JT, but I just hate like you can't just keep putting out there that this guy's the best catcher in baseball when he's a good catcher, but he's not the best in baseball. You know, let's let's kind of keep it a little bit real. Also, he paid like it. I, well, yeah, that that for sure. That for sure. Also, something that's kind of that kind of sucks, man. That kind of showed you, I guess, a little bit maybe like where the the fan base's mindset is. Here we are, kind of pushing for the playoffs, and this. There's barely anyone at these games, man. Barely anyone. Do you think just because people just don't believe because of, you know, what the past decade has been or is just simply that? I think it's that. I think it's also this year kind of this bullpen the past couple of years, just, you know, the cynical um, Eagles, you know, it's Eagles time here. Uh, They're playing the pirates, you know, it's a, it's a shitty pirates team, but yeah, you know, you look at this, this is the last home stand of the year supposed to be beautiful Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If it's not packed like this entire series, you know, that that's telling to me. It's kind of very telling to where they are. But um, uh, I, don't, I guess I can't say that I'm fully surprised. No, I'm not fully surprised. But just every time I see it, it sucks. You know, always the, reflect upon the old days. Yeah. It would have been packed yeah, like right now in 2007. Right, man. You, I, I had to get standing room only tickets last week of the season in 2007. Yeah, when you think about those prime years, it's just just – the sea of red, the rally, the rally towels. How how loud that stadium was for for every out, you know, um, you know, Rollins and Utley and Howard turning double plays, and the place will erupt. And like they turned a double play in the third inning, and the place would erupt like they just won the like it was just the p- people were dying like every little play, man. You just that's always going to be ingrained in my mind. So I'm just I guess I'm just kind of stuck on that and, and kind of want that back. So seeing the seeing five thousand people at the stadium during a right. playoff push is Here's very disappointing. Right. They make the playoffs. It's going to be packed like it's fucking 2008 all of a sudden. Oh, you know what I mean? Like sure. it'll, it'll, it'll be fucking packed in there. And it'll be just like, what the hell? You know, like the switch was flipped or something. All that. That's all it will take. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you did mention, and when you were talking a little bit about the bullpen, I, I just want to say, man, still, man, that closer role, because when Ian, Ian Kennedy comes in, I'm, I'm, holding, I'm holding my breath just as much as I was doing it when, like, Hector Neris was in there. You know, I still have zero comfort uh with anyone in that role right now for the team. And I think that's something that's kind of going to hurt, you know. When I saw he was the closer for the Rangers, you know, I, I'd seen he had been the closer, you know, for the Royals the past couple of years and, you know, getting his work as a reliever. kind of thought it was funny because I always remember, it was like, Ian Kennedy isn't a fireballer, you know what I mean? Like, his, his fastball's topping out 94, 95. It's not like he's throwing 100 or anything like that. And then also, like, he only, like, exclusively throws the fastball. 
So I just, uh, I was skeptical when we made the deal because I was thinking, you know, his ERA was lower at the time, but I was just thinking, man, that seems like a hittable pitcher. <laughs> this just seems like a guy who's, who's ready to give up some home runs. Well, lo and behold, he joins the Phillies and uh, he has been Homer prone. Uh, I think giving up like eight home runs in like 16 innings, something like that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and you're right. It's, it's the same feeling as Hector uh, when, He's in the closers role. Hector, man, since being in the setup role, that's where Hector belongs. I think we all knew it all along. He's something like a one ERA since the all-star break or something like that. But yeah, Kennedy does not make you feel comfortable at all. If I'm going in the ninth, it's Archie Bradley at this point. Him? I feel like he's stronger as of late a little bit too, man. That's... Yeah, but I mean, if I have to go right-handed, you know, Alvarado, man, just too wild. I can't go to him in the ninth. Yeah, yeah, you can't. And it what sucks too, because even last night you saw him up there, he was pumping – Pumping one on one, just like man, this guy could just have a little bit ounce of control with these or command with these pitches. He'd be he'd be devastating. But yeah, he lets that thing go. You never know if it's gonna be a strike, a ball, hit a batter, whatever. You know, he just lets that thing rip. And you, he you could be like Lidge unhittable in like two thousand eight if he <laughs> was able to harness his stuff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, here we go. Final final stretch for the Phillies here. Uh, <sighs> It, it's going to be a ride. I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm going to say they miss it by a game. You miss it. By, that's your official official uh, prediction here coming into last week. They yeah. miss it by a game. I'll, I'll say it comes down to the second to last game of the season. And second to last game season, what they lose and they Definitely fall the over. last game of the season means nothing. Means yeah, nothing. they already know. Yeah, it's bullpen game, game we won't watch. Nobody will want to play. <laughs> um. Hmm. Is that that Marlins series on the road too, huh? Yep. Hmm. Oh, and you know how well they play there. Yeah, I was gonna say if maybe if one of the the Braves or the Marlins, if one of those series was 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 at home, I feel like as of late they've been really performing well at home. They've really been feeding off the crowd, especially especially Harper. Man, um, I would have a, a little bit more faith, but considering that they have to not only make up ground on the Braves, but then hold it too. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean that they uh they kind of miss it by a game or two. I don't I don't I can't tell you if it's gonna be because they fall apart against the Braves or 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 the Marlins or what have you. But I think just they have more work to do than the Braves do to kind of to make the applause here, you know. So uh, that's why I, just, I I still think I still think they're gonna end up missing it, and then it's gonna be here we go uh, the eleventh year in a row they missed the playoffs and. And you're going to go into all season where they need to make a lot uh, of changes uh, on the field because there there are many many holes attached to this team. If I'm Middleton, I'm pissed at Dombrowski in the front office. That's the reason that this team failed this year, in my opinion. They didn't load up enough. You didn't you didn't go get depth enough. You know, you look at some of these other teams at the trade deadline, uh, going and getting the J Haps of the world, who's up in St. Louis. You know, what uh, they won like 12 uh, in a row now or something like that. Yep. And, and his ERA since the trade deadline has been in the mid threes. Mm-hmm. What did they trade for him? Nothing, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and these other, t- these other playoff teams, if you look, they made moves around the edges to help, you know, help their depth. And, and we didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. So and you look at this um, man from Girardi, I would say at the midpoint of the season to now, you, it's, it's almost kind of like 180. Like you have to, you have to respect the job that he's done kind of holding this together to the fact that they're even in contention at this point in the season. Um, whereas before it was almost like we were hating on 
bullpen decisions and other things like that. I mean, I don't know if many other managers could have kept this together. You know, you're, you're after your top four hitters, you have like a triple A lineup every night. You know, you got your Brad Miller's rotos, uh, two fifteen hitting touches in there and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's been pretty impressive. Um, but really, you know, if they make the playoffs or not, you have to feel decent about the players on the field and the, the, the coaches. It's really just, the front office where, where my disgust lies because there's just so many holes on this roster and in the minor league system that they have to fix coming this off season. Yeah. I would say for sure, you know, for all the questionable moves he's made, I think Girardi's probably come close to doing the best he could really do here. And in, in the latter part of the second half of the season, uh, at some point you got to have players who can play and, they don't have enough players who can who can play at a quality level to to win you games and and push you into the playoffs, and so yeah, that that definitely falls on Dombrowski. Um, both I think we mentioned this last time. You know, you needed to hit on at least one of those guys when in terms of Matt Moore and uh, Chase Anderson, and they both completely flamed out, and so you know that 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 hurt them hurt them big time there. So. And then you're just you're scrambling. Then Eflin gets hurt, and so you don't really. That's a guy you thought you would have in there, but yeah, I. I I don't think Don Bross is going to get fired or anything like that, but I think this is yeah. definitely um, a big offseason for him. Um, I, I would say Girardi will be back no matter what. I think he still yep. comes back, unless he wants on his own, he wants to leave or something. But I think uh, the team will definitely have them back. But uh, there's there's still there's going to be a lot of work for Don Broski to do um, in this offseason, especially considering they, they don't have much in the farm system. So he's going to have to get creative and free agency. And, and I think Milton is going to have to be willing to uh, – to spend some cash um i think we talked about this way way ago and i i think one of the pitches if i'm a general manager to middleton i think you know if we look long term with this team over the next decade or so i think middleton's going to have to spend a lot of money now to not spend a, a lot of money later in the sense of this team needs time to build up that farm system because they literally have nothing down there and so kind of it's not like you can just kind of have some stopgap guys because, you know, in a year or two, so-and-so is coming. There is no so-and-so. And so you got to you're going to spend money to bring in a lot of guys if you want to be competitive for the next, you know, three, four, five years while that farm system replenishes itself. While they can draft guys and and, you know, let them develop and all that. So a lot of work, a lot of work for them. Um, real quick, I want to say, though, on Ian Kennedy with Texas this year, he had a two point. 5-1 ERA with the Phillies. Yep. He has a 4-7-1 ERA this season. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, – uh, and that's 32 games versus 20 games here in Philly. So, yeah, he's um, definitely not the same pitcher. He was down there in, uh, in Texas. I'm not, sure what, what, I'm not sure what the deal is with the home run, but I know we mentioned he's throwing exclusively fastballs, it seems like. But, yeah, he's just um, not getting the job done. So I know his home park, obviously a little bit different, you know, Citizens Bank Park, obviously a little bit of a band box. That sure. globe life feel, man, seems pretty spacious out there. So um, I think that could probably help him as well. And then just thinking kind of about that division, you know, he's also pitched at Safeco, Angels, you know, Oakland, you know, those are a little bit more spacious outfields. Maybe he's not giving up as many homers there, but coming to the National League, man, he's getting rocked right away. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, a question I asked you, I think, on the last podcast and I think I might even ask you on the podcast before that, and I'm going to ask it again. Kale, why is Ben Simmons still a sixer? Yeah, I really uh, – <laughs> they, they have no good offers. That's what it has to be at this point. Um, 
I see a lot of the stuff floated out there, you know, potential offers. I saw, I think today the one uh, you tweeted was about the Blazers giving up McCollum, Covington, and two picks. To me, if that offer's out there right now, I think they would have accepted it already. You know what I mean? Like I, I would have for sure. I, I, right. I think at this point, um, I think it's we're we're speculating, and I think our speculations are a lot more than the offers that they must be getting because I think he would be gone if they if they had one of those offers right now. Um, I'd even consider the the Wiggins Wiseman and a couple picks and and, and stuff like that. Um, it's it's come to this. It, it really has. And I think as time goes on, I really don't see this ending like the Harden situation. I don't see someone ending up and giving us seven, eight picks uh, for Ben Simmons. So, um, and it's picks, even what you want. No, they want a star player back and I, I you're obviously not going to get it. So um, uh, the only, the only way this works for them is man, they, they hold on to Simmons so long. It's like the trade deadline or something. And the Blazers are so out of it. They're just, you know, more, all right, it's time to move Lillard, you know, move to the future. It's like, and, and you know, that's such a far-fetched scenario to me. But if, I, if I really that's even know. the case though, if they're out, like I, f- I would think that then they don't want to give up picks. You know what I mean? Or I guess we're moving right. Lillard in that scenario. No, Lillard. Not moving right. picks. Yeah. 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 You're right. That's what you're saying there. Um, but like, can you imagine him still being a part of this team sitting out at the trade deadline? Like, I, I just can't imagine it goes that long. Yeah. That would be uh, not ideal at all. Um, you mentioned it, and it's been mentioned a lot. You didn't mention it as as it being the same, but you know the handling of the situation. A lot of people compare to what happened with James Harden last season, and I just think that those scenarios are just not comparable for one reason. And like Ben Simmons is not, maybe in That's his right. mind he is, but he is not the player, the star player that James Harden is. You know right. what I mean? Like that. James Harden at one point was a top five player in the league. I don't think he's top five anymore, but I would still probably say top ten player in the league, maybe. Um, and and Ben Simmons is not that. He does one thing really, really well. Just plays good defense. Um, but you know, players don't around this league don't get moved because of their defense. You, you're not out there acquiring players for the defense. You want someone that's going to put up some points and be a star and and win you games. And so. That's why I would say that's why like every time anytime I see that, you know, that comparison, I kind of roll my eyes. I was like, well, you know, Ben Simmons is not close to the player that James Harden is. Um, and even in even in that situation, though, James Harden came back and played for a little bit for the Rockets. Now, granted, he was wearing the fat suit and he was saying weird things after the game and postgame press conference, kind of putting down the squad to eventually they were just, you know, let's get this guy out of here. He's making pit stops in Atlanta, getting the, the lemon pepper wings with Lou Williams and all that. But it, it, it's the whole situation is increasingly frustrating. Uh, I feel like Daryl Moore completely overplayed his hand from the get go of what he thought he could get for Ben Simmons. And, and I feel like now they're kind of stuck with him and they're probably going to either have to force his hand and let him sit out and keep him here and see what develops. Like you're saying closer to all-star break time, or they're either going to have to get something less than what they want at this point just to get him out of here and to end the saga and to get the poison out of the locker room. They already got Doc Rivers out there on first take with Stephen A. Smith trying to trying to smooth out the relationship a little bit. But he's already said it, and I believe him. Ben Simmons don't want to play for the Sixers no more, and the Sixers sh- shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be wanting him anymore, you know what I mean? So I don't know. This is a crappy situation. If, if that Blazers deal is out there that we're mentioning with McCollum and and Roco and Picks, man, I I I hit I'd hit yes I'd slam the yes button on that yesterday 
and I get him in here, and then I'll be trying to I'll be trying to flip those two first round picks, even throwing even one maybe my own first run first round pick into someone and and try to get a deal just to get this guy out of here. Um, but as it stands right now, do you think ultimately Ben Simmons ever reports? Do you think he truly sticks to his word and and, and sits out and never plays for the Sixers again? I'm gonna say he sits out. I'm gonna say that. It's a- one thing that will be similar to this in the James Harden deal is it's going to happen randomly on a Tuesday afternoon or something. Like that. You know what I mean? It's just going to be up. He's gone now all of a sudden. Um, I'll say we – well, I've been wrong about every other date I've given. So I'll say we make it maybe midway through training camp. Um, and they realize, all right, he really isn't coming. And teams – maybe some team suffers an injury or something. I don't know. I don't know what's going to give. But, um, yeah, I would have thought about a month ago by now he would have been gone. So – <laughs> I think ultimately, I think just his reputation around the league, considering how he played in the playoffs, has been, you know, kind of, kind of damaged. On you even saw, uh, what was it? I think the Warriors owner he got fined for some comments that he said about Ben Simmons and him not being able to finish games and all that stuff like that. I think not only not taking the dunk in that in that game seven, but also uh, earlier in that series where they couldn't even have him on the floor to finish the game. And then, you know, who's going to – you had to pull him out? Or was that in the Wizards series? This is one of those games where they had to pull him out at the end of the game and not even have him on the field or not even have him on the court because of the fouling and the foul shots and all that. And I think just as a, as an owner or as a general manager, you know, are you really trading for a quote-unquote superstar that you can't even have you know, on the court in crunch time? That's – no, this is not going to work. So I think that's, a, that's one way – if Ben Simmons truly wants to be gone and he's seen that no one wants him, I mean, maybe he has to come in and play to, to up his trade value, um, show whatever growth he's had from these gym workout videos he's been posting. But I don't know if he's smart enough to do this. I feel like he's also, just as much as the Sixers have kind of missed up there, I think Ben's also handled some things wrong throughout this whole process. So, yeah, I, personally, no, I don't think he ever plays uh Sixers uniform. I mean, training camp's coming up. You, you, they also Sixers also run the risk of this being an even larger distraction coming in because once you have players in here, you're gonna put a mic in front of Joel and be face and ask him about the Ben Simmons situation. I think things can get even even messier then. And I think that's something right. that, that's something they should be trying to avoid. So I think at some point, man, Sixers that just have to be like he they might just have to kind of take the L on this one as far as diminishing returns and just and just, and just get this guy out of here and, and, and find a way to uh, to move forward. You're clearly not getting the star player that you had aimed to get, you know, when this offseason started. Um, it's going to burn because, you know, we'll move Ben, and then next offseason, you know, Lillard will go, go to the Knicks. Uh, some other star will move, you know, sort of thing. Um, and, and we'll be here, you know, one season too late, uh, one season too early. Um, it's – just kind of how it's played out kind of sucks. I'm not sure how the NBA salary cap works, but like in a potential trade, once they move him, that that money's completely off the books, right? You, you They got that cap to spend, correct? Well, you, I mean, if the way the NBA cap, salary cap is, if you know, they're over the cap, obviously. So if they are putting out uh, that much money, they need a certain amount of um Another team, you know, if a team is under the cap, you know, 41 million or something like that, they can just absorb Ben Simmons. But if they too are, are over the cap or taking Ben Simmons would, would take them over the cap, they're going to have to give back, you know, a, 
an equal amount of money almost. Um, it's within a certain percentage. So, you know, Ben Simmons making 40 million, we could maybe take 35 million back sort of thing. Uh, so that's how the NBA kind of keeps that even uh, trade value wise. Um, but I mean, yeah, you, you get a team, I don't know, the Charlotte Hornets or something like that. And they just have an, an or, inordinate amount of cap room or something like that, where they could just take Ben Simmons on straight up. Then, then you could do that and you, you could have a uh, open for a max player. But I mean, um, I, I would think at this point in the offseason, those teams are few and far between. That's usually a beginning of the offseason time when, when a team has that much cap space like that. I think the Bulls would have been a good fit before that because they were able to fit in a couple max guys uh, this offseason. Apparently, that apparently there there's a rumor that I guess right after, I don't know if you saw it, like right after the season, there was some talk with the Bulls. I forget the players involved, but obviously that didn't It would have been like Laurie Markkinen and some other. It wouldn't have been that great of a deal. But. Yeah. And there was also apparently rumors that um, Durant put the kibosh on a trade with the nut with the, I, the yeah, Nets, I don't believe that Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I don't, why would they want to trade Kyrie just because he's nuts? I, I guess nuts, and I guess you figure if you got scoring from Durant and Harden and the dude that shoots the three Johnson, whatever the hell his name is, and then you could bring in Ben Simmons to be more of a facilitator, less of a ball hog than Kyrie, kind of get. You get the ball and he scores hands, and he's also played defense. I can see Ben Simmons working on the Nets, but I wouldn't trade Kyrie for him to get him there. All oh, right, <laughs> but absolutely. But I can, I can I, see Ben Simmons working on the Warriors. Yeah, right. But I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not moving big pieces to kind of to bring him in. But yeah, so many, so many trade rumors out there. Who knows what's true, what's not true, half true, full true, and all that. But ultimately, he's still a Sixer for now. And this is going to be a saga that's going to play out, you know, for the next few weeks, probably. Hopefully it's not the next few months into the season because then you're smelling trouble. And then that's tampering on – that's getting in the way of, of, of Phillies playoff baseball and then right. Eagles, you know, making chase football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, never, we're never at a, at a, at a loss or uh, – running out of, of drama here in, in Philly sports. Um, and uh, what the next four or five days should be some of the best uh, days in Philly sports in years. It could be. Yeah. Especially if the, if the Phillies, uh, you know, handle business. We're, I'll be, I'll be stoked, man. I still got my, still got my rally towel. I don't think it's from, oh yeah, I think it's from oh nine, but I still got a, a little Phillies rally towel here um, somewhere in my apartment that has always moved me. I kept it nice and clean. It's, it, it's ready to yeah, go, man. I got one too. Yeah. Yep. I, I would definitely take a peek at some playoff tickets if, uh, if they get in there. And just, man. Oh, yeah, because I bet you, man, first playoff tickets in 10 years, I bet you get in there a nice third baseline for like 45 bucks, something. Mm, let's go. Let's go. I'll yeah. walk right in the gate. They try to hand me rally towels. Like, nah, I already got one. I already got Also, one. from I got what I heard one. is if you know, if you try to say that you're, you're meeting your friends somewhere or whatever, <laughs> some guy at the gate might let you in. So I don't know. I don't know. True story. We have lived it. True story. I don't know. I don't know who that guy's name is, but uh, I, I want to check out Philly's games when he's there. Right, a September baseball game against the, the Colorado Rockies, where there's probably less than twenty thousand people. But you know, it might be a little different in the playoffs. Uh, I think you mentioned it. Uh, if, they, if they did get into Phillies, man, you're talking about that. I mean, they'd be by far the worst team in the playoffs. And then, oh yeah, by far. Right. Like, I'm just, I was kind of looking around the field, man. It's like, two wild cards now, right? Get in, right? So yeah. Who, I guess be, uh, the well, Dodgers. they would play the Dodgers, right, if they got in, because they would be the division winner. That's their best path to win right now. So, so you look at a team with, you know, probably the most depth in baseball against a team with some of the worst, <laughs> the, definitely the worst in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how the rotations would line up, but, I mean, 
yeah, you you hitting either Scherzer or you're hitting Bueller or you're hitting uh, what's the other guy's Urias, Urias, whatever that the one pitcher's name is. Kershaw. Kershaw. Yeah, just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're definitely getting Scherzer. Yeah. Congratulations for winning your division. Here are the Dodgers. Good luck. Yep, you're, you're getting Scherzer. Uh, you got Trey Turner. And that game would be in Philadelphia best. too, which would be crazy yes. as a division one. If I'm them, yo, all pregame, I'm just I'm playing on a loop. All those Dodgers. Oh, um, that's right. Jimmy they Rollins. Would win, <laughs> they would win the division, so they actually wouldn't get um, Scherzer first. You would get a Kershaw or a, a Bueller in game one. Wow. Yeah. Like I said, man, pregame, I'm getting the Dodgers head on it. I'm playing Jimmy Rollins walk-off double in the playoffs. I'm playing Matt Stairs home run. Uh, I'm, I'm getting in their heads playing playing highlights of all the times we handled them in the playoffs. I'm getting someone out there on the field with a with a Broxton jersey. I'm playing all kind of mind games. I don't want to damper anything, but if they were to make the playoffs, I would, like, put money down that they will be playing gay capitalist Giants. Like, I will put money down. That that's just the way that will go down. There will be a series against the Giants. The the Phillies, oh yeah, but but not the Giants win that division though. The Giants will have to get in the wild card, correct? Oh yeah, you're right. But there's still a chance. Hey, I there's think I, yeah, I think it's close out there. I don't think either team is kind of clenched as being. I'll just say the way winner. the way that the universe works is somehow they'll end up playing in the playoffs if the Phillies make it. I would love to play Gap, Gabe Capo's Giants. It'd be awesome. I would not. I would not. Why not? You get to beat the ice cream man. We played those dudes, what now, seven years ago? What was it, 2012, oh, yeah, yeah. 10 years now? Why you got to bring up, why you bring well up bad times, man? Because that was when they were good. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, that was not um, yeah, that was not fun. Cody Ross still pissing me off. Yeah, they did end up playing the Giants. Freaking Darren Ruff had a walk-off home run in the ninth or something. Like, oh, great, great. Um, yeah, it looks like the Giants are only a game up on the, jo- uh, um, on the Dodgers, so... They're still battling out there in the in the West for who's going to actually win that division. Disappointing the Padres, man. They I thought they'd be better this year. They really kind of they kind of fell off big time. And and then playing the Braves here late late in the season, they better not. They better show up, man. Don't fuck. Don't freaking roll over for those guys. Their their pitching, man, has been uh, in just total disarray. And then I think you know you, you had Blake Snell on your fantasy team, man, and uh, for whole first half of the year was total struggle for him. Then he turned it on as of late, and then. Has kind of been struggling, but um, something's going on with their pitching, man. You Darvish has been off. Uh, Chris Paddock, man, I remember a couple of years ago when he started, came up as a rookie. He looked he good. Was, yeah, and then the next year, you know, I kind of thought, you know, it was 2020. He was a little shorter every year. He wasn't as great. This year, man, totally sucked, and it's, it's kind of across the board for them. Um, and then Musgrove. Hudson came over. Oh, uh, yeah, Musgrove, Musgrove been all right. He's okay. been up and down. But um, Daniel Hudson came over from uh, the Nationals, yeah. and all of a sudden he's kind of falling apart out of the bullpen for them. So it's been it's been uh, something weird going on out there in San Diego. Um, I actually read a story this week that the manager might get canned. There's talks that there's uh, not good leadership in that clubhouse and, and sort of things like that. There's some in, in scuffling with uh, Tatis going on. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, man. They were a team that came into the season with a lot of people picked them to win it, thought they would challenge the the, the the Dodgers for that division. Obviously, no one thought the Giants would be as good as they are, but a lot of high expectations for the Padres coming into the season, and they really they fell way short of them. So um, it definitely seemed like a scenario where, where a manager uh, w- would get fired, especially missing the playoffs by how far um, out of it they are. So, yeah, that, that, that wouldn't shock me um, at all. Uh Circling back, though, unless you have anything else, I figure we get some Eagles predictions and get on out of here, unless you have something else you wanted to touch on. Uh, no, absolutely. Um, what I want to say is go Phillies. 
Go I might have predicted that they're not going to make these playoffs, but that doesn't mean I'm still not rooting for it. Go Phillies. Do you have a prediction for Eagles, Cowboys? When I'm going to go score 30 to 20 Cowboys. 30 to 20 Cowboys. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 28-23 Eagles. Monday Night Football. Nick Sirianni. With the uh, with the beat Dallas shirt on underneath, that's a that's a huge win. Twenty yeah, twenty eight to twenty three. Um, I think the Eagles pull it out. Uh, I think the offense. Uh, I think the offense does better than they did last week. I think they kind of. I think we're going to look at an offense that's probably going to be hot and cold, kind of ebb and flow throughout the season. I think against a defense that's prone to give up plays and yards. I think the. I think. Uh, I think the the Eagles the Eagles do do a little something something there. So that's how I see it. Let's go, birds. Let's go, Phillies. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been a pleasure. We out.